Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, July 9th, 2020. He is Tristan H. Cockroft, singer of songs, slayer of myriad fantasy leagues. Kyle Sopi produces and researches our fine show with expert, customary aplomb. I'm Eric Carabell. My hair is getting really, really long, and I love it. I got to tell you, I love it. I am not cutting my hair. I played that Crosby, Stills, and Nash song yesterday to my wife, you know, Almost cut my hair. It's getting kind of long. And she was like, really? You're not going to cut your hair? I'm like, no, I'm not going to cut my hair. And Tristan, your hair just does not look like mine. It's growing in a different way. But it, you don't look like any different than normal. I look different than normal. And I love it. And I'm not cutting my hair. Wait till my hair is uh, fully dry and having been out in the humidity at, at 4 or 5 p.m. It's quite a sight. <laughs> I can rival you then. <laughs> look at this awesome mane. It's just like Love it's it. going out and it's got, I got wings over my ears. I, I, <laughs> I played softball last night and like you're running and like the hair is like flowing. It's, it's, it's. So you're you're getting complaints about that? I'm actually no. getting positive comments from the family. They want me to keep it this way. I, I'm not getting any complaints. They're like, like I think they're surprised because I usually don't look like this. <laughs> you know, I look like my college days. You know, going back to the uh, grunge '90s. <laughs> but like, I'm still shaving my face every day. Like, I don't like that feeling of like having like a couple days of like stubble. So I shave every day. But yeah, you know, this I've is been, how it uh, is. I've been thinking about growing that out, but yeah, I shaved today. I don't know. <laughs> One of these days, I'll let it grow. Uh, on today's show, as is our want, uh, Tristan's trivia that Eric will know, the latest baseball news. Uh, we have our first mock draft to discuss. We have two more later today. And as always, your hash browns. Uh, let's start with the news of the day, Tristan. Um, I don't, I'm not seeing a whole lot. I don't want to keep talking about people. I haven't seen any notable opt-outs. I don't, I don't think we need to spend more than, more than a second on Hector Noesi. Um In terms of viruses, I, maybe Julio Tehran has it, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Um, there was uh, – Max Muncy got hit by a pitch in their the Dodgers versus Dodgers game. He says he should be ready for opening day. That's in two weeks, people. I don't think, I don't think everyone's aware. Like, this is not a normal spring training. The season is starting, at least scheduled to start. Two weeks from tonight. Yankees, Nationals, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. I can't wait. I will be watching. And they're still in the, in the back of my mind. Like, I hope they play, but only if it's safe and more players are speaking out. This is going to be really interesting the next two weeks, Tristan. Yeah. And I, I think knowing it's two weeks away, my greatest concern is the difficulties the teams are having with testing and getting results uh, at a speedy pace. Uh, because that's influencing some of the training camps. We mentioned that the other day, you know, summer camp, whatever we want to call it. Um, and, and I do think that if that extends close to the regular season, it is going to have an impact on availability of players. And yeah, that's going to have an impact on fantasy. My one suggestion is I would try to draft as close to the actual opening day as possible. And if you can even do the uh, the historical Roto uh, tradition of having your draft in the first weekend after opening day, which means that... Uh, the 25th, 26th weekend. That way we'll get all the information. We know who's available, who's opted out and everything. I'm having trouble taking this seriously. I, I think that it, in the leagues that I have, um, I just don't – of course I want to win my leagues, okay, whether they're industry leagues or with buddies, but I just can't take this seriously. The numbers are going to be ridiculous. They're going to be small sample size theater stuff. And, um, you know, I was talking to our friend Steve Gardner USA Today about this. I want to win labor, of course, but – I don't want this to be the only time I win labor. 
You know, there'll be an asterisk next to it. It's not a real season. I don't want to spend money on it. I want to play and have fun. I want to enjoy this this 60-game sprint, but I don't want to take it too seriously. That's all. A champ is a champ. The asterisk is not placed there formally. You got to keep that in mind. And, you know, the best positive to say for this year is that it is a fantastic opportunity to experiment with new things. Try new leagues, try new formats, just get creative, try strategies. I understand you're saying there's an asterisk there, but, you know, there are a lot of challenges for this year that you warrant credit for if you can win your league. It's not like I'm putting the asterisk. I feel that people are going to look at it differently. So I want to win one over a six-month season, too. Um, News news of the day, your Yankees, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are expected to be ready for opening day. Uh, They might have a soft tissue injury in that game and miss the next three weeks after that. But they're ready to play on opening day. I don't don't mean to be negative, but, like, come on with these guys. Um, What else? Carlos Martinez might end up in the Cardinals' bullpen. I was just reading about how Ryan Helsley could be the fill-in closer because – Gallegos might, might not be able to get into the country. There's so many things going on that are going to affect playing time and fantasy that it's just, it's not even just the virus or injuries. It's also some of these guys can't even get into the country mm-hmm. and it's pregnant wives and it's this and that. It's like, it's unbelievable how many factors are into play here. Um, I saw that the Red Sox are going to lead off Benintendi. I think we expected that. Um, does that make you want to move him up in your rankings or not really or whatever? I don't know. He's not really a power guy. Not really. It doesn't have much of an impact. I mean, he, you know, he, he was so disappointing last year. I think people are already pushing him down the draft ranks as is. I, I, I'm not inclined to draft him any sooner or move him up in the ranks. But, I mean, certainly he's more valuable batting leadoff than he is sixth or seventh. We would oh, agree yeah. With that. Oh, without question. I mean, he's going to score more runs. Maybe he'll steal a base or two. Uh, the Orioles have put Ryan Mountcastle on their 60-man. I don't know why he wasn't on the initial one because it made news that he wasn't, and maybe that's the only reason they did this. I still think he's not going to play for the team this season. So, right, do you agree with that? They're kind of telling us that. Kind of by keeping him off. That was one of the one of the players who I was most surprised not to see on the initial 60. Um, however, very few teams filled the 60 or even came close to it in the initial set. So I wonder whether teams are trying to make the critical decisions as to who is actually going to contribute for them when they make these final calls. I, I think there is a chance we see Mountcastle. But to your point, the Orioles are not a competitive team. Why start the service clock? But then at the same time, you know, if you keep them in the off the main uh, the major league roster for a week, you've buy you've bought that extra year anyway. I don't, I could go either way on Mountcastle playing this year. I don't think a lot of these teams have sixty legitimate players to put on that mm-hmm. list. That's part of the problem. Yep. Uh, anyway, I, I oh Jesus Lazardo, Eduardo Rodriguez also test positive for the virus. Um, so we should probably assume we're not going to see them in the first week or two of the season. That moves them down the rankings, unfortunately. It's about a playing time issue. This is not about a bias for the virus. This is about if Freddie Freeman's not playing the first two weeks, that's a significant part of the season. you got to move them down. And I was interested to see where Freeman went in our mock draft. We did a, Our first mock draft was on, on Wednesday, and it was, what, a head-to-head roto or was it just roto? I don't even remember. It was, no, it was simply roto. Today is the head-to-head points and the head-to-head categories. Right, and we can discuss that on Monday if we want. Uh, but I suspect that all three mocks are going to kind of be the same. And my take—I wrote about this in a blog entry that's up today. But um, I, I was a little surprised. People weren't—we were downgrading the players that were that have the virus to some degree because we have to because they're going to miss some playing time. But 
it, the mock looked pretty normal to me until the last couple of rounds where some of the prospects went and I took Yusmera Petit and uh, Drew Pomerantz. But in a general sense, not a whole lot changed, right? I mean, did you, what was your take on uh, yesterday's mock? Mm, yeah, not a whole lot changed, as you said. I, th- I think we're, frankly, as a group, overcorrecting on players with questions. Do we really know enough to determine how much time they might miss, if any? Nope. I'm, I'm just not prepared to make those judgments yet. This is why I want to wait as long as possible. We're drafting with the information we have, and I think there's too much paranoia that comes into some of the... Eric, you've mentioned the classic Jason, Jason Schmidt example. We've thrown Carlos Delgado in the past where there was a question about availability on opening day, and the player came back awfully rapidly. I know in a 60-game season, if a player misses five games, that's going to have a dramatic impact. It's the equivalent of missing, what would that be, eight-point-something games, I think. I'm trying to do the math quickly in my head. I, I, I'm it's not like 15 games. It's the equivalent of uh, it's a lot more. Yeah. I, I, this is the thing. Freddie Freeman was in the third round and I think he went to pick right before mine. I absolutely would have welcomed him to my team in the third round. I, I'm just not prepared to move him down in my rankings yet. Oh, he went fourth because I had the, the turn at four or five in round four or five, the last pick around four. And he went like right before I was going to take him. I had the turn at round two, three, and I didn't consider him. I took Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon, whereas in a normal circumstance, I would take Freeman over Harper and Rendon, but there I did not because I expect he's going to miss some time. But you're right. It's all a guess. I have no idea if he'll be fatigued even after returns. Maybe this won't matter at all and he'll be fine by tomorrow. I don't know, which is why like, I tell pe- what I'm telling people and what I wrote about today is do, do several mock drafts to find out what you're comfortable with. Are you comfortable taking Freddie Freeman over Anthony Rendon, whereas if all things were equal and everybody was healthy, you would not have? Mm-hmm. It's up to each individual drafter to decide what he is comfortable with, what kind of statistics he wants to get. All the stats look the same to me. All the hitting stats were the same. All the pitching stats, for starters, everybody was – and there's nothing wrong with the projections. It's just all the top starting pitchers are projected for like five wins. How can you know, how can you know for sure? The projections, I think, are the least relevant this year, and that's not to throw away a set of projections. You need them in order to formulate dollar values and rankings, but they are typically conservative. That's the way the projections are built, and you're going to need to take chances this year. And our own projections guru, Todd Zola, made an outstanding point about this, that if you're in a draft room and you see a player projected for 12 home runs and another one projected for 11, it could be that that one with 12 had 11.51 home runs in the projections and the one with 11 at 11.49 and they were effectively the same player but what you're going to do is give a a home run more to that other guy because you rounded it and that's going to be like three dollars difference at the auction table so let yourself get creative this year i am not going to be attached to my dollar values i'm not going to be attached to my rankings and i'm going to take some chances you sound angry are you angry i'm 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 you're yelling I'm, I'm at me. Fired, I'm fired up. I, I think you've made this point too that I we we should be prepared to take some chances this year. You seem a little angry. I'd like you to be less angry <laughs> for the rest of the show. That's okay. okay with you. All right, all right. Did you watch Hamilton yet? Why don't you go watch Hamilton after the show? I absolutely loved Hamilton. I thought they did a great job. You know, all the, the scenes cutting and editing and everything. I thought they, thought they did a fantastic job. I'd love to see it live now. Da, 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 da. I'm infatuated with the King of England. I gotta tell you. I keep yes. playing those songs. Oh, having heard that on the soundtrack compared to watching it on screen, the dramatic difference between the two. Oh, that he that he is great. He's fantastic. They're all fantastic. Lynn Manuel, everybody. I mean, helpless. Like the whole show is fantastic. All right, I got to ask you. You may not like this question, but what's it going to take for you to move Trout out of the number one spot in your rankings? Because not only. 
do I think he's not deserving of the number one spot because of the difference in stolen bases with Yelich and Acuna, but he's going to miss some time, Tristan. It might only be three or four days because his wife's going to give birth, but he also might come out tomorrow and say he doesn't want to play at all. Obviously, you would move him out of the number one spot then, but are you just going to just stubbornly leave him number one, even knowing that he's missing maybe a week of time? Maybe he misses a week of time. I, I do think the potential absence is a problem. If he decides to sit out, then I think the league as a whole is going to have an issue. So I'm not prepared to move him out of that. I think he's the right call at number one. I think in a shorter year, the potential for absences that are shown by his past, what is it, three or four years uh, are a little bit overblown. And look, any of the others could miss time. Yelich missed some time last year. That's entirely a possibility. I have no issue with Yelich being number one there. I do actually have an issue with Ronald Acuna being the number one pick overall, just because I've, I've raised the batting average concerns before. You think there's a chance Acuna hits 240? It's a, very, it's a very slim chance, but I'd say it's more like 265, 270 is what I'm worried about. Okay. I'm worried about 260. I'll say this about the stolen base angle. In a six-month season... Yelich and Acuna stealing 30, 35 bases and Trout stealing 10 is a big deal. In a two-month season, you know, Yelich and, Tr- and Acuna stealing 10 and Trout 6 is not that big a deal. Bingo. So, I agree with you there, but I think there's you can't just tell me that there, there's not more risk of Trout missing time. We already know he's going to miss a You know he's missing more. Number? Give me the number. You're saying how many, how many days are you projecting that he misses? A you week. He misses six to seven games then. I do. I don't. I think that matters. I don't. Okay. Well. I think he is so anyway, going I, a couple of days. I just look. I, I, I've been asked already about whether I'm moving Trout out of the number one spot out of concerns that maybe he'll sit out. And again, that's the different. game itself has a problem if he sits out. I think we need to prepare based on the idea he. I think he wants to play. I think he's going to give every effort to play if he possibly can. He's considering what he needs for himself. I still think he's the best player in fantasy baseball. I think he's the best player in baseball. Um, I think in fantasy, it's clouded a little bit. Anyway, you had the third overall pick, and you were happy to get Trout there. I took Yelich number one. Um, uh, our friend Kyle took a pair of Rockies, Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story with the last pick of round one, first pick of round two. That's something you don't see very much. Two Rocky hitters at the turn, um, and I thought that was a good move by him. But it's interesting. Like, Tristan, in a, in a – in a two-month season, do you do that, though? Because there are a few weeks where the Rockies are, are at home all week. You noted that in your tweets, and maybe you will in an article. But, Kyle, you're back on with us now. Did you have concerns they were taking two Rockies hitters? Because they're when they have a week of road games, you're not going to get what you want. I'm not too worried about the schedule. I mean, it is kind of what it is. My thought in there, and I paired teammates at three and four at the turn there, too, is just I want to count on fewer clubhouses. like. The fewer moving pieces as far as trying to avoid COVID, trying to avoid, like, the healthiest teams are going to win this year. Like, it's going to be a volume game. It just is. I chase strikeouts with my pitching. So I, my thinking there was that if it's close and I've got a stack potential, this way I only have to keep the Rockies healthy as opposed to needing the Rockies and the Braves or something like that. It was, it was a tiebreaker. It wasn't intentional coming in. I didn't really think about it until I was on the clock and saw two guys staring at me. But I'll take my chances there. If, if I can roll the dice and be healthier as opposed to the road home splits, like uh, I'll take my chances. I mean, it's an interesting thing there. Now, we know which players are less durable than others with injuries, but we have no idea who's going to get the virus. So to me, that's just total guesswork. Um, but 
Tristan, uh, talk about your team here a little bit. Um, were you thinking of ace starting pitchers or, or top 20 starting pitchers? I, I see you got Strasburg in round three, but in a general sense, you went offense. I went offense with my first 11 picks except for the round four, round five turn when I took Patrick Corbin and Charlie Morton because I thought they were a lot better than the next pitchers off the board. And remember, when you pick at the turn, you don't pick again for 23 picks. So I didn't want to take a chance on who would be left. But then I saw lots of good starting pitching in the middle rounds, like Lance Lynn, who I think is good. Maybe you don't. But your thoughts overall on that mock? I did fade pitching. I did want to go with that modified Labadini that I suggested, which is you take a, an ace very early. In this case, I was not leaning on it where I take him as my first pick and then take no pitching until the end. I wanted to get one anchor. Uh, my aim, actually, when I took Strasburg in the third round was I was hoping that he would get taken by one of the guys at the turn and that I would get Jack Flaherty, who I could capitalize upon those central divisions. Those schedules in the central division are considerably more favorable for pitchers than what Strasburg's going to face in the East. Eastern divisions. So that was a problem. But he was a guy who I felt was head and shoulders above the next tier of pitchers. I looked at it as seven, seven or so starting pitchers were the ones I wanted. I wanted to get in that group within the first three rounds, then wait a while. I think my next starting pitcher was Max Freed. And I wanted to lean a lot on what we discussed the other day, which was the multi-inning relievers, guys who could pick up some of those uh, sneaky wins and kind of uh, saves that they steal from the, the typical closers. Yeah, I think later on in the draft, we had the same idea. I went Yusmera Petit and Drew Pomeranz. You went Seth Lugo and uh, the Dodger kid, Dustin May. Um, so we're thinking of guys who could get some cheap wins and get some innings, but not necessarily saves. They're not closers. You do have Joe Jimenez on your team, um, and I have some bad closers as well. Um, oh, Kyle, of course, took Tyler Chatwood. Um, <laughs> but then I, I saw I read today that Keone Kayla, who I took in round 20, isn't even with the Pirates. Mm -hmm. And for all we know, he may not end up with the Pirates. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos went in round 20. He may not end up with the Cardinals. He may not even pitch this year. It's all guesswork. Mm -hmm. So that's the main the main takeaway from a mock draft is kind of like, well, no, it's not the takeaway from a mock. From a real draft is be prepared, and we're going to get to this on every show before the season starts, to overturn your roster a week into the season, mm -hmm. a day into the season, when something changes. If Kirby, Kirby Yates is not going to lose the closer role if he, if he blows up on opening day. But Hector Neris, Carlos Martinez, I can name 15 closers that if they pitch badly in the first week of the season, they are losing the job to somebody else. So be that's why I don't – that's why I would like to make sure I get at least one good closer – and then be willing during the season to mess around with every name because Ryan Helsley might end up getting 10 saves. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it does speak to your point about getting a rock, Hater, um, Chapman. Oh, I saw one at Hater. Draft and Joe, I think it was Joe Kaiser who took him in the round. I was going to take him. Oh, that was a good pick. Well, I mean, of course Josh Hader's a good pick. The question is how early are you willing to go? He went in the middle of round six. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, that you was went basically, my pick that that round. I thought it was a good value. You ended up with Eloy Jimenez that round. Um, so when all the projections look the same, how do you account for stolen bases? Did you want a guy like Malik Smith or do you want to just like – my stolen bases are tied up with Yelich, Tommy Pham, DJ LeMayhew. I don't have a guy who's going to lead the league necessarily, but I've got a couple guys who are going to do it. Did you think about a guy like Malik Smith or like with your last pick, Billy Hamilton, or no? 
No, actually, Hamilton's another guy who's not with his team right now. So, I mean, that's another role question in mind. Uh, in Smith's case, I felt that he was left out there far too long. And frankly, I just didn't want to give a gift of stolen bases to any of my opponents. I felt like it, on a team that went more heavily for power, I did not get a lot of the power speed combo guys in the early rounds. I needed to make sure I had some stability late so that I could throw a guy in there Maybe it's on other players' days off. Maybe he just ends up being my fifth outfielder. But what was he? I think he was 185th or so overall. You took him in round 19, and my thought when you did it was, how can you win home runs? You can't ha- have any. Had a ton of homers. My team. Every team has a ton of homers. Every team does. You you basically just gave up a player who's not going to have any home runs or runs batted in. He's a bench guy for me. I've, my team's got lots of homers. I was projected i think one of the top three or four in that category all right maybe it'll work out i just what i'm concerned about is this i i i've hurt my batting average in the pursuit of home runs in the early round so though that's going to be an issue i mean like i took adam eaton around the time you took malik smith Mm -hmm. and my thinking there was i don't want a one category guy like smith eaton's not going to steal as many bases but he should hit for average score plenty of runs maybe he could hit you know six seven home runs something like that i mean like he'll contribute across the board I just I'm not interested in guys like Malik Smith, and he might be a really nice guy, but it has nothing to do with that. This is fantasy, and I, I, you know, all he does is steal bases. Okay, so, hard. So let me ask you this from a strategic standpoint: Do you have concerns, especially in a roto league, of falling inescapably behind in say the first twenty games of the season? Does it not benefit you to, in the later rounds, get guys who can bolster one category at a very low cost? I see your point. But the problem with it is, if you've got Malik's and another guy who doesn't hit for power, you're going to fall behind in power. So I would almost just punt stolen bases at that point. I'd be willing to punt stolen bases and saves the two categories I'm willing to punt, especially in a season like this. Because to me, you can punt the category of stolen bases and then in the final two or three weeks, maybe move up a couple spots because everybody's got 30 steals. Yeah. I think, you know, so like, Pick up Billy Hamilton in mid-September, and you can almost move up two spots right then. I actually also think the drawback for me is that if I've now over-projected for stolen bases by having Smith on my roster, the trade market isn't going to be as good as I thought. Nobody's trading for Malik Smith, right. No, I, I, I think somebody else will absolutely want to trade for Malik Smith, but I will not get a return that I desire. I'm not going to get something useful. I think you're going to be able to fill steals on the trade market at a reasonable price. I don't know why anyone in the world would trade for steals when there's going to be guys out there like Hamilton, Terrence Gore, Roman Quinn that can steal you a few bases. They may not do it with the per, you know with the same level of Malik Smith. They're not going to be prolific, but they're going to steal some. But would it surprise you if Roman Quinn steals as many bases as Malik Smith? One's getting drafted and one's not. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Actually, I think Quinn is one of the better values. I also think Miles Straw, the Astros, could be one of the better values. Absolutely. But there's going to be a roto, just the roto, not head-to-head, the roto leagues where you come down to September 15th and there's five stolen bases between second and eighth place and you're the eighth place team. If you get Smith, you could jump ahead and that might make the difference in your league. That's what I'm thinking here. But I don't think I'm going to get a great return on the trade market. I think you'll be able to trade for steals. 
Give me your overall strategy for the the mock we did yesterday, a 10-team Roto League. Overall strategy. Attempt to punt sto- uh, starting pitching, but don't go overboard. Try to anchor it with an ace, and then from that point, punt, go for only values. Go for K getting middle relief pitchers or closers. Get a lot of Ks out of your relievers and maximize the daily transactions in ESPN leagues. Beyond that, I was going value at the hitting side, and I wanted to go heavily on hitters. I think we need to get guys who are locked in, regular players. I think it's going to be tougher to fill Homer's RBI run scored on the free agent list during the year. I do, too. That's why you need to get a lot of offense early on. I think in a 10-team league, we, we're wasting picks by taking guys like Dustin May and Yusmero Petit because there's going to be guys just like them on free agency, but there's not going to be power. That's the issue. I don't think there's going to be great power on free agency. Um, how is your strategy going to change in the mocks today, the head-to-head league and the roto head-to-head? So it's not going to change a lot in the head-to-head roto. I might go a little bit more on the extremes. I kind of like Kyle's we, – we just discussed Kyle's Rocky strategy. I like the idea that he is embracing the volatility, that if things go wrong, he's done anyway. But if things go right and he's projected the right team, that he will be immensely successful. I like the idea of doing that where you can. For me, it wouldn't necessarily be team stacks, but it would be chasing guys who have a great amount of upside. That's why, I, for the most part in this, have a, a younger roster. I'll probably go with a very similar strategy. In the point draft i'm going to give it away here i'm going to do the aj mass thing and i'm going to be drafting relief pitchers and closers because in points leagues streaming 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 and by the way also streaming again once you've finished up your streaming for the week so is josh Hader going in round three of this mock draft yep probably if not fourth (laughs) and he should it's it's a great pick in that round by fourth round he'd be a steal uh, let's get to your trivia, please. Uh, trivia question that nobody will know. If you want to sing it, go ahead. <laughs> trivia, trivia that no one will know. All right, and people, he's using his hands in such a way like jazz hands when he sings that song. Why are you doing that? Is that part of the deal? Absolutely. Come on. You got to get into it. And besides, he said I was angry. This is me showing that I'm happy and calm. Yeah, you're like going through all the emotions on today's show. I want to remind people we are social distancing. We're in three different states and apparently three different states of mind. Okay, what's the trivia question? I I know, but I left my baseball mask upstairs. I should have worn it to be extra social distance. You might not hear me through it. All right, so I'm combining some of the themes that we've come up with in the past, uh, actually on Monday's show. Taking only the first 60 games of team schedules, as well as the final 60 games of team schedules, In the past decade, three pitchers won 11 games during these time spans. 11 wins is the record set by any pitcher in the past decade in their team's first 60 or final 60 games of the season. I would like you to name the three pitchers, and I will give you this. They all have appeared in spring training, either in the beginning or current part of the year, and they are all under contract to a major league organization currently. So active players, all three, they won 11 games in either the first 60 or final 60 of any of their team's games of the past decade. Well, I guess that leaves out Chris Medlin. Uh, <laughs> Sorry I, to I, leave I, him out, but that's a good example of going for the, the extremes here. I mean, Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta is... Definitely one of them. He did in the final 60 of 2015. And I got to give you guys this. Over 162 team game span from July 1st of 2015 through July 1st of 2016. He won 27 games, had a 142 ERA and an 085 whip. (laughs) Yeah, he ain't going to do that this season. I I mean, he might end up starting opening day and, and he's just not 
I'm hoping he pitches well. I don't think the Phillies are contenders this year, and the schedule is only part of it. The bullpen's a part of it as well. Um, I I think the Phillies are going to lose more games than they win. I think the Yankees are going to be fine. Your team is what, the Cardinals, Kyle? They should be fine. They have a good deep team. Um, and they play in the Central Division. They get Kansas City right. and Detroit and, you know. They do run into Chatwood a few times. <laughs> well, how will they overcome this? I don't know. In a shortened season, Eric, you're talking two or three losses right there. Hey, Kyle, I got to tell you, Chatwood is not one of the answers to this question. Sorry. It was close. I was going to guess him. I was thinking of like a guy like CeCe still signed somewhere. but yeah, CeCe retired. Yeah, yeah. Verlander, like – Justin Verlander did it in the final 60 games of 2011. He did win 11 games in that span. So that's two of the three, and the three is the challenging one. Naturally. Well, I, it, this is such a random thing. Like, you know, like this is random. That's how I view stuff like this. So you, it's, it's remembering the great runs of pitchers, and it, it's to highlight chasing great runs of pitchers. I think we are going to see some cases like that this year, and you need to look for them. This guy, by the way, is currently under contract to the team in which he did this streak for. Hmm. So it's obviously not a, the na- a name that we would like think about. No. I mean, it's, it, let's get about fantasy, it's a good one for fantasy because there are a lot of people who will remember this happening. We've also mentioned the team on the show specifically by name on the, uh, so far. I, We've mentioned the name of the. Uh, we, we mentioned the Rockies. It's not a Rocky. I, I'm quite oh, certain about that, good. right? I mean, it can't be a Rocky. I don't know. You'd, you'd have to. I mean, we didn't mention Porcello today. It's not uh, another Cub. Uh, not Jose Quintana. I mean, Kyle Hendricks. No, I. I this is ridiculous in some ways. How I, dismissive are the. I don't know. I mean, you were on the right track in the first place, but so dismissive, dismissive of this team are the. Wait, it's a Rocky? It can't be a Rocky. It is a Rocky. He is currently under contract to the Rockies. He did this as a Rocky. Is it Baldo on the, in Rockies camp? Ubaldo Jimenez won 11 games in the first 60 games of 2010. He was 11 and 1 with an 0.93 ERA and an 0.92 whip during that span, and he won 13 of his first 14 games. The Good bigger thing. surprise to me is that he's actually in someone's camp. They they wa- they farmed him off the sixty man player pool, but he. I was I was watching the game. I don't know last week, the week before, in which he he was thrown out there to lose the game in the wild card game because the manager, who everybody th- thinks is a genius, didn't use Zach Britton. Not a genius, people. And Ubaldo lost that game predictably. I didn't realize he was in someone's camp. But all right, so following up on that question, who do you think? off the beaten path is most likely to do something like that this year. Because, I mean, you could name guys like Garrett Cole and DeGrom, but give me another name or two. Uh, maybe this is a column idea for somebody. Somebody you wouldn't think about who, they're obviously not winning 11 games, they're, not, they're only making 11 starts. But some maybe they could. Could somebody go at 11-0 and in 11 starts? Could Julio Urias of the Dodgers win all 11 of his starts this season? Yes, something like that could happen. He could. I think it's going to be tough from the volume angle. 
because as we've said, there's going to be limited innings in the first couple of starts. I think we're aiming at a brilliant run of nine wins, for example. Uh, Luke Weaver was one of the guys who I thought went at a great rate, and I wanted to get in, in the mock draft. Uh, Why? What are you seeing there that I'm not seeing? Weaver had a great finish to last year, and the skills were very low risk. Now, granted, that's not a, a great upside guy, but I very much liked uh, what he did in the rebound last year. If we want to go with Rockies, Herman Marquez and John Gray do have the ability to do this. Uh, Garrett Richards was one who I was looking at in the mocks. Uh, a couple of the young Astros, if they, we can get them in there throwing and getting up to the full workload, Jose Urquidy and uh, Josh James we've talked about. Um, oh, I had another couple, one. A couple of those young Oakland pitchers, Sean Manaya, Frankie Montas. By the way, the um, you and I have talked about Austin Voth of the Nationals. He's going to be their fifth starter. With Joe Ross sitting out the year, that does enhance his uh, his role on the team, I'd say. I think I got Voth for a dollar in labor, NL. Mm-hmm. Now I'm feeling pretty good about that. Although I'm not feeling good about any of this, to be honest. Like, I don't think they should be playing. But, like, the teams that I drafted back in March, I looked at a couple of them. Mm-hmm. They look fine. I, I, I refuse to say, oh, they look better now because of changes to the DH or because of people opting out, because for all I know, someone that player could get sick too. So I just want to have fun enjoying baseball, watching my fantasy teams. I'll react. I'll drop. If Austin Voth gets lit in his first start, I'll drop him for somebody else who doesn't, you know, if it's, if it's the right move, I mean, you're projecting ahead, not behind, but you know, if Spencer Howard's available in a league and the Phillies bring him up on day eight, mm-hmm. right after the, you know, the first week because they get the extra season, then sure, I'm all in on Spencer Howard, just like I am Nate Pearson and Mackenzie Gore. They went, they all went in yesterday's mock. They're all going to go in today's mocks as well. It's just these are mocks that we're not playing out. I'm going to do a lot of things differently in today's mocks. I'll tell you that. And um, oh, so I give away my strategy. What's yours? Come on, give me, give me the goods. Well, the starting pitching. I wanted to get a couple top starters in the top 15. I did, but then there were still more starters in the middle rounds that I liked. Either other people didn't like them. So I was like, why Why did I take Charlie Morton in round six if I could have taken Nelson Cruz? I'll, I'll do that from now on. You know, I mean, there's going to – I wanted to build a pitching staff not like I did with – like, so we have nine active pitchers and all my bench guys were pitchers. I, I have like eight starting pitchers. I don't want that. I wanted like five starting pitchers and then like five closers slash petite, you know, Seth Lugo types. I didn't do that. And the reason I didn't do that is because there was – too many good starting pitchers available and I'd filled up most of my hitting spots. So I might take a catcher earlier today. I waited to the last round yesterday. Wait, I might wait, take, you take a catcher before the last round. What? I might do that. I might do that because I think I can get pitchers. I want in the last round. There were plenty of pitchers that I wanted. Whereas my catcher, I don't even remember who I got, but I might be more likely now to actually take a real Muto or not a Gary Sanchez, but I ended up with Salvador Perez in the last round. Am I okay with that? Assuming he's okay and can play? Yeah, I can stream the position. There's going to be plenty of catchers that are all the same in a six, in a six week season, uh, eight week season. I don't know. I'm going to definitely get another closer that I like. I did not do that. My second closer and third closer are not guys I can rely on. So that's something I'll do differently. Also, pay attention to the draft. You know, like it might force you to put a player at a position you don't want to put him at. That's something to think about as well, you know? So, um, like I drafted K.O. Nikhil and Mark Melanson. They're my second and third closers after, I think, the Twins guy. I'm not comfortable with that. So I'm going to take another closer or two earlier. But that was round 20. 
All right, we're done with talking. Let's get Kyle in here and ask some hash browns and finish it up. All right, we've got a few coming in today through Twitter. Again, Kyle Safi, ESPN. Hit me with your questions the day before the podcast, and I'll do the best to get the experts to answer them. Hanson wants to know, if you would drop Votto for a middle reliever like Petit or Batances, he's sipping the reliever Kool-Aid that you guys have been selling early this season. I think the reason why I wouldn't do that is because you're going to be able to get those guys on free agency or somebody like that that we haven't discussed yet. Is that fair? I mean, you know, for all we know, there's somebody that we haven't even – for all we know. We know there's going to be pitchers on teams that we haven't talked about who are going to fill the same role as Petit and Seth Lugo and Pomerantz. So wouldn't you keep Votto under those circumstances? I mean, if Votto's a bench guy, I'd move on. But I wouldn't move on to a middle reliever. I'd, move, I'd drop Votto for Nate Pearson. I'd drop Votto for Dylan Carlson. Or, or not Wander Franco. He won't be up right away. But I would, I would drop Votto if he's on your bench for a, a prospect who after a week will win a job and be good. That's what I would do. Yeah. I think you said it dead on here. I think roster construction really answers this question. I don't have an issue with it if that's what your roster needs right now, but I have no idea whether Votto is a starting player who you needed for batting average or run scored stability. Uh, I would, I would also agree. I'd rather have the upside. I'd rather let a player like that go and take, uh, take a chance on somebody who's got a higher ceiling or one of the X factor guys. Cause I, I have articles coming out, I don't know when, actually, Monday, Tuesday maybe, on X-Factor hitters, X-Factor pitchers, draft Cespedes over Votto. Absolutely. I can't tell you who's going to be better, but I can tell you who has more upside. Okay? That's for sure. And when I figure out who the pitchers are, same thing. You're, you're making a funny face. You don't agree with that. I'm, try- I'm trying to chew on Cespedes versus Votto. I mean, the- why would you? I, I, I think I'd agree with you on the ceiling being potentially higher for Cespedes, but there's so much there's to risk there. There's so much baggage, but so what? I'm going to be dropping half my team after a week, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, see, I, I like embracing letting a player go and the ability to let a player go if something goes wrong and then replace them. And I feel like Votto is uh, it's going to stick on your team and you're going to feel like the name locks him into your roster. I, I, no, I mean, like I drafted Christian Walker in that mock yesterday. If he's hitting 140 after two weeks, I just move on to the other first baseman. I pick up Renato Nunez. I, like, there's no point. In the first 10 rounds, maybe those guys you, you keep for a while. But it, if Christian Walker is your starting first baseman or corner guy and you got him around 18, it doesn't matter when you got him. If he's not hitting after two weeks, absolutely. Luke Voigt, here you come. I'm, I you guess know? I'm thinking more like the 10th to 15th round guys. I mean, you mentioned Adam Eaton as the first guy who comes to mind. If Eaton struggles based on what you're paying to get him, I think most people are going to be afraid to let him go. I think this year you're going to need to be prepared to let those players go. That's why I would rather take those chances in those rounds instead. Where you got him is irrelevant as soon as that draft ends. That's easy for you to say. It's not easy for a casual player to say. It should be easy for everybody to say. I don't understand what the problem is. Why would you keep Christian Walker just because you invested a 15th round pick in him? Get somebody who can help you win. That's different in the 15th round. People are going to have a hard time with the 8th, ninth, 10th round pick that they invested a good amount in who struggles mightily for two weeks. They're- Josh Hader goes in the DL after his first outing, and it, it's at least three weeks. Don't you drop him? That's, that's an IL situation. That's completely different. I mean, if, if he, not, if not he had, in ESPN leagues, there's three bench spots. I believe we added an extra IL spot, though. All right. So, I mean, well. you can make the decision later. Look, I think it's different for an IL versus uh, the guy who always comes to mind for me is Pat Burrell. Before we knew that Pat Burrell's career was not going to be what it was, there was a year where Pat Burrell was 
considered an early round pick, and he was positively dreadful in April and the beginning of May. How long do you hold on to him then? Mike Lowell had a season like that. How about Matt Carpenter last year? We all yeah. held on to him into June. That's what I mean. And he was terrible all year. He never got better. Right. But in a year like this, you need to be more prepared to move on from the player. There's nothing wrong with doing that in a shortened season. I would cut Matt Carpenter eight days into the season this year if he's hitting 110. But he's he's not drafted anywhere near where he was in the year he struggled. Nowhere even close. We're talking probably 200 spots in the draft different. I don't think that matters. But yes, I understand your point. That's just dumb to me. I don't care what round. I'm not dropping Lindor, but I don't care what round I drafted this player. If he's playing poorly and there's only six weeks left in the season, I'm moving on. I just want you to lean on this answer because I think it's the right one. Keep keep saying the right thing here. That's the right answer. They're all listening to you. Yeah, I get it. Sean wants to know, you guys mentioned starting pitching was kind of like the quarterbacks and that you're comfortable in waiting. If that's the case, what position are the running backs of the baseball world one you need to address early? They're not. I don't see that comp because I can wait in a 10-team football league for a quarterback. I'm doing this fishbowl league, and I have three quarterbacks in the first eight picks. It's not even close to the same. Um, But that's not what starting pitchers are because I still want to get a good one early, a top 15 guy or two. Um, The difference is the middle middle rounds. what would we compare to quarterback? I, I think closer would be like quarterback, right? You can wait there. That's it's a different reason for it though. That's that's strategic. I mean, quarterback is just a loaded position. Catcher? No. Catcher is the exact opposite of quarterbacks in football. There's nothing at catcher. Catcher's tight end. I'm waiting to the last round of a ten team football draft for my quarterback. You know, I'm waiting to the last round of a ten team baseball draft for my catcher. What's the difference? <laughs> Darren Waller has uh, uh, <laughs> has some some <laughs> complaints for you, Kyle. <laughs> sure. I, th- tight end is a little offended as a whole right now for to be compared <laughs> to catcher in fantasy baseball. That's got a top the top tier, but I, I get the question. I get the idea. The crux of the question here who are the running backs what position do you need to draft early? you know what it's the quarterback power run power it's not a, it's not a position it's power it's a statistic home runs rbi runs scored power is running backs no power is quarterbacks home run is quarterbacks. No, there's tons of power yeah but you're not waiting on it you're waiting at quarterback. You're not taking your quarterback in round one, two, three. That's that's why I'm saying there is no particular spot that comps great across the two sports. That we're, it's awkward. But home run. You, you need so much power in order to compete in your league. But you only need one quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers is there in round eleven. It's not the same. It maybe it's flex. Maybe it's, it's not running back. It's running backs and wide receivers corresponds to power. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah, like, this is, the, this is the thing. If you're trying to comp power to running backs, then you're drafting Joey Gallo in the fourth round, and I know you're not doing that. Power that doesn't come with a batting average anchor. I'm taking Eugenio Suarez in round five. That's the difference. I'm not taking a quarterback in round five. Wouldn't the running backs of the baseball world be the homer steel combo guys? Sure. But that's not what you said. <laughs> I said power versus for running back. I think, sure, guys who can do both, Starling Marte, absolutely. 
But you're but saying that's not even that's not even available in round three of in a football draft. That, that's round one. We, we should probably just move on from, from the question. It's just not a natural comp. But my point it's is not a natural saying, comp. If you're it's, saying like, over, it's like saying that Sterling Marte equals Damian Williams. And I don't I don't think I'm comfortable with that. But that's but that's what statistically that that's what that means. You're you're not how being, you understand. You're not placing a premium on the power the guys who are, who are whose value is driven by power, believe me, I've watched you in drafts. You're not taking Gallows and Reese Hoskins, and you no. Know. But Jorge Soler can't be Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry's going with pick twelve, and Jorge Soler is going with pick seventy. Yeah, it's just the, the sports just couldn't. They don't match up. <laughs> That's fair. I, I like the general feel for it. it. Seems like power speed you want early. I agree with that. Add. Wants to know, you're bringing one player out of retirement for the sprint of a season of 2020. Who is it? If I knew that he would play every day, I would draft Ichiro in round 15. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me I'm he wrong. Could, he, he could hit win 400, the, right? You're wrong. He could, be, he's 40, he could be 45 years old. He could bat 400. He could steal the most bases in the league. He could lead off even for a bad team and score a run per game. Ichiro right now. Right now could lead off for Seattle and be a top 30 outfielder. Eric, Seattle has some things to say to you about that. <laughs> he, he couldn't. He was awful his final five years. I, I love Etro. I loved what his career was. I, I Hall of Famer, <laughs> just a genuinely fun player to watch. But let's face it, what was his final batting average in the, the, the last five years? He was, was a like pinch 40. hitter. He was an... He was a 262 hitting regular for the 2013 Yankees as a 39 year old. Ah, uh, maybe. Are oh, you give me someone? Joey Votto? Oh wait, he's still playing. <laughs> give me somebody who's, who's actually retired. <laughs> if they feel like they've retired, it counts. Oh gosh, you know the only one I'd say is going to still play at a premium level if you take him out of retirement is Mariano Rivera. That pitch can play. I'll bet you Mariano yeah. Rivera could pitch at a high level. It'd have to be a, a relief pitcher. It couldn't be a hitter at this point. Yeah. All right. Among, among the recent hitter retirees, though, do you think David Ortiz could still play? Probably. As a DH, yeah. Yeah. He could still hit. He was at a pretty high level. Yeah. He could put up Cole Calhoun numbers right now, right? <laughs> Cole Calhoun. <laughs> tell, tell me Ortiz wouldn't hit for power. Right oh, now. now Todd Zola has words for you. <laughs> sure he does. Sure, everybody I work with does. Oh, um, boy, it's a good question. It's a fun question. Yeah, you're right. Ichiro is la- Ichiro's last year as a real starter with Miami, two ninety one, ten steals. That's not enough. But man, in his prime, he was a monster. I got to think of other players who've retired recently. You know, like that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying fun to question. somebody who retired kind of in the the middle of their prime. That's where the David Ortiz and well, Mariano Rivera, based on the age, but still. <laughs> oh, Spoken like a true Yankees fan. Um, I guess that's about it. Uh, the time is running out on our fine show for today. Any final thoughts, Tristan? Uh, not too many more weekends to draft. I mean, I've got a league drafting not this weekend, but next weekend. I can't say I'm real excited about it because I just have no idea what I'm doing in these drafts. There's no rule book for this. There's no guidelines for how to draft right now for a 60-game season in which it literally – Anybody you draft could get the virus tomorrow and miss two weeks, four weeks, every week. There's no guarantees. This isn't like drafting Aaron Judge and Stanton, who get hurt all the time. This is like 
anybody could have this virus. I don't want to. I don't know if I should draft Freeman or Kingery because uh, I don't know how many how much time they're going to miss with the virus. I don't know what I should do with Trout and Zach Wheeler. Their wives having babies. They could miss three days. They could miss ten days. They could sit out a while. They could sit it all out. You're right. Trout sits out. I don't know why we're playing, but I just hope everybody stays healthy. And it's not just the, the star players, man. It's like Jake Diekman, who has all sort of colitis. I, you know, like, man, I understand why he needs to play. He needs money, but it's his career. I just pray that these guys do not get the virus. Yeah. And 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 frankly, in this case, a lot of the reason we don't have information is that respect the privacy of the individual players. I mean, that's that's part of this whole system. I've got four drafts that are all scheduled within a week of when the new schedule opening day is, and I'm glad they're that late. But even then, I, I there's going to be some question marks and a lot of guesswork, and that's just the way this year is. Just embrace it best you can. All right. Well, that is all for our today uh, for our show for today. We're all socially distanced. We're all wearing masks when we go out. Fantasy Focus Baseball for Thursday, July 9th is a wrap. Thank you so much to Tristan and to Kyle. I am Eric. Have an awesome and safe weekend.